down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode 162 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name, as always, is Adam Camilleri. And we are here, finally, to kick off the second phase of our 10th edition experience with the very first Codex review. I am joined by two illustrious non-queens themselves in <laughs> Matt Robertson <laughs> and John Lennon. I've been sitting on that one. Let's see how that goes down. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Hey, Adam. Hello. And everyone else listening. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, first 10th edition Codex, my gents, this is going to be a very spicy review, the first time we're doing one of these, so please apologies if we, it is not the most refined of formats. We have done a lot of Codex reviews on this show, but the first time we do a 10th edition one, and they are sitting in a pretty unique format from what we have experienced from Codexes gone by. Um, I will let you guys know that Art of War Danana is, of course, a two-part podcast, and if you're excited about this part, you will be even more excited about part two, where these two lovely gents are going to be joining me to record uh, some answers to some lovely questions laid down at the feet of the gents by my lovely patrons. If you want to get involved in that group, jump over to Art of War Donato over on Patreon and uh, you will be at the forefront for every single Codex review as they unfold. Uh, I did... It's very hard to get a feel on this book, boys, but before we do, please tell us about Art of War and your affiliations with it and where people can get some other great knit content to come. Absolutely. So uh, first up, we're going to have a ton of tiered content coming up through all of the Art of War channels. Uh, of course, you can find that on our YouTube channel, Art of War 40K. Uh, we're going to have games, reviews, you know, basically everything. I'll maybe I'll even post some pictures of the models I painted. As well, you can find a lot more content in our uh, premium website, The Worm. So that's on theworm.vhx.tv, where you can actually go and get a free trial to The Worm if you want to check out the kind of content we do there. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the different detachments. We're going to have more battle reports. Uh, we're planning to have two battle reports up uh, within uh, the first week and probably many more to come, depending on when we get hit by a balance patch. That is very exciting because you have to do like at least six immediately, right? Well, at least five immediately, get all those detachments out of the way. Robo, what do you do? What are your affiliations with uh, Art of War and how can people get some more Matt Robinson goodness should they desire? So I do some coaching, bits and pieces, uh, possibly some content now and again, a little bit lax on that at the moment with other commitments. But yeah, nids are exciting. Hopefully get a bit more of me and my face on there soon, unfortunately for people. But yeah, <laughs> I would certainly... pieces, it's good. I certainly describe, describe myself as a Robo enjoyer, so would like a bit more of you myself. Anyway, let's kick off, gents. We're going to be going in a bit of a clip because there's a little bit to get through. We're not quite sure how long this is going to take, and we want to get it done in one week for you guys so you get the full consumption of biomass in one go. Starting with yourself, Matt, first impressions of this codex, one the first time you've gone cover to cover or seen as much of it as you can um, absorb in such a small period of time. What are your thoughts? What are your first impressions? I like it. It's not a massive, massive sweeping changes from the index. And I think the index is very solid at the moment. Mm -hmm. I do have slight worry with it being like the first codex of an edition. If we get a bit more creep as usual, 
it may start to fade away. But there's a lot of units in this book. There's a lot of different options, different routes you can go down. So I'm hopeful that it'll have some lifespan. Yeah. But yeah, it looks very fun to play and lots of different options for all kind of nid players. So I can't well, wait exactly to try right. some of it. The, the range has never been more fleshed out. You've never had more models and more units to choose from. So the hope is there's quite a bit of depth there. John, what's your hot take? Yeah, so first take is that there's a lot of lateral improvement in the book in that the current one detachment that we have in the index is good. It's pretty solid, a little above average. But then uh, there's a lot more directions to take Tyranids, whereas uh, I felt like there was some maybe some build restrictions on what you could practically take in the index. Uh, I really like that it doesn't feel like the power level of Tyranids has dramatically increased. I do think that this codex is going to be a little bit better than the index that we've all know and love, uh, but it doesn't feel like a significant jump in power. Obviously, that's great right now because we're all, you know, riding the roller coaster of meta thrills at the moment, and we probably didn't want another, you know, super-powered injection. But like Robbo, I do worry about GW's ability to keep this pace, if Games Workshop continues to release books that are like the Tyranid book, I think that we're in for a treat. I think we're in for a great game. But uh, I worry that Games Workshop uh, doesn't always show restraint. And yeah. <laughs> if if they decide to uh, stop showing restraint, you don't want to be the codex that they did show it with. That's how you get Death Card. Mm. That is a very uh, interesting take, and I, I agree with both on both fronts. Where no one ever likes to be the first one out of the gate. I mean, you want to be the first one out of the gate because you want to have your, you know, your full power and your, the full vision of your faction for the edition immediately and be able to use all your things. You don't want to be where World Eaters and Guard were last edition. You know, getting literal, you know, less six months or less of the edition with your codex. Uh, but at the same time. There's always that, am I going to be at the back of the pack when, once things actually start evolving? And yeah, this this book seems pretty good. I actually really liked where the index was, and I feel like the index was only getting more powerful over time as people got better and better with it. Um, we saw at uh, WTC yourself, Robert, um, actually just playing one of the best defender-style games with the list, and we saw a couple of different variations of tuners being played at the top level, which I thought was quite exciting for the faction overall, because a lot of people said and felt that they were like a, a middling B faction, B tier faction. Is that about right, Gens, guys, with the index? Yeah, I think I'd agree there. It was one that it had a power limit to it, because all the units were decent, but not crazy, mm -hmm. and it's just how much you could play out with them, like in a team yeah. setting. Like you're saying, that kind of defender role where Okay, we need to be able to play against a lot of things. It has some good games, a couple of armies it needs to avoid. It was great. And I do think once the few problem armies get like toned down a little bit as well, it could leave it in a really interesting spot as things sit. Beautiful. All right, John, let us jump into the actual meat and potatoes review. We're going to be starting with the army rules. I'm of the opinion, and uh, you, please tell me if I'm wrong, that there's almost have not changed in their army rules and special uh, ability with um, Synapse and Shadow in the Warp. Is anything altered there that we need to tell people about? Yeah, so Tyranids are keeping Shadows and Synapse exactly the same as it was printed in the index. So that 3d6 on morale checks in your Synapse, that once again makes someone take a battle shock. That's the army rule, which means that you take it with you no matter what detachment you choose, and it is unchanged from the index. It is the exact same rules that we saw. No changes to the text. Identical. Easy done. Now, for your viewing pleasure, and to kind of get a bead on, I guess, what a codex is going to look like in the future, um, I kind of had an assumption that we'd maybe get two, maybe three uh, new detachments per book. Like, you know, 
and if you had to if you had to ask me put a gun to my head adam what new detachments this tune is getting i would have said like they're going to get a monster mash detachment and they're going to get an endless swarm detachment and then g-dub went and put three more in there <laughs> in addition to those so the first of which is the crusher stampede now it's very interesting we're going to unpack this probably in part two but there seems to be a design choice to have very pillared armies in like so almost siloed armies so you have a, a you, you pick the detachment you want and then you operate exclusively within that detachment plus the army rule and those are those th those are how your army is going to operate each one comes with um a detachment rule or an attachment benefit um a couple of enhancements in most cases i think it's four and then six stratagems now i think that is the blueprint we will see for the foreseeable future the first of these is crusher stampede and uh robo i'll tick it over to you to tell me about that detachment rule so as you can probably guess by the name and memory in the past this is all about the big guys so alternative monster models from your army makes an attack you get plus one to hit if you below starting strength and plus one to wound if it's below half strength so with single models starting strength is if you've taken a wound and half wounds is half strength for a lot of these guys which i quite like it's pretty good i yep. think it's going to add up over the game a lot well pray Praise be, it's not minus one damage, <laughs> which, <laughs> which it was in the Blagon era. And with uh, all the toughness increases and the wound increases, that would have been absolutely horrific. Um, I'm going to quickly read out all the enhancements, and then we'll get some hot takes from you guys as we go down. That's going to be how we're going to do this, guys. So we just land down the floor. We're going to read out all the enhancements, give it uh, a unpack as a package, see what is and where is the best bits by our experts, and then we'll move on to the strats. First of the enhancements is Ominous Presence, Tyranid Monster only. I think they're all Tyranid monster only um add three to the bearers oc next up we have enranged reserves actually i'll get one of you guys to jump to the points yeah, for these guys as well so we can read those out after we've done them as well uh enranged reserves must a tune must only if the bear is destroyed by a melee attack if it has not fought this phase, roll a d6 on a 3+, plus, do not remove it from play. It can fight after the attacking model's units have finished making its attacks. It is then removed. Next up is null uh, no, nodule. Sorry. Once per battle, when a psychic attack is allocated to the bearer, it can use this ability. If it does, until the end of the phase, the bearer has a feel no pain 5+, plus against psychic attacks. And the last one is... Uh, monstrous nemesis each time the bear makes a melee attack that targets a monster or vehicle add one to the wound roll that is our package boys john which of those stand out to you which one do you like the most so um the couple of them are cheap null nodules is 10 ominous presence is 15 both of those feel very lackluster but i'll toss in if they have the points um mm -hmm. of those i think monstrous nemesis is the only one that i actually like but then i try to figure out who i want to put it on and i start liking it a little bit less mm. yeah. none of these slap me in the face is obviously powerful but robert am, am i missing something i think like john said if they weren't locked to characters taking enhancements you'd be like mm. cool my extra cream will get plus one to wound against monsters or vehicles That's that sounds really great tasty. yeah like, i like the ominous presence and i think no modules if you have 10 points left over, you can't spend anything on. Sure. But I wouldn't go out my way for it. I think in range reserves, you're paying 20 points for a three-up. For a if chance. If you pay like yeah. 30 points, but you fight on death. Because if you get shot, it does nothing anyway. Yeah, and what I'll, what I'll add about these is that since these are all monsters only, I believe there are only two character monsters in the book that aren't epic heroes, being the Hive Tyrant plus his winged cousin, 
and the uh, the neuro tyrant. So yeah. those are the only things that can actually take these enhancements. The the norns the non uh, emissary is that a character? No. Oh snap! Okay, well, an assumption that I had is now drop kicked out of the window. Uh, see, I, you're exactly right. As soon as I read ominous presence. I was like, oh, Trigon popping up three away with three more OC. That sounds pretty good, but then not a character. So, there, yeah, there is. it is a little awkward here. All right, let's jump over to the strats. John, you want to read out the first one for us? Absolutely. Let me open that tab real quick. You caught me unprepared. All right, uh, so with Crusher Stampede, we've got, of course, six stratagems. Uh, the first one is Corrosive Viscera. Viscera? And that is just one CP when a Tyranid monster uh, with Deadly Demise is destroyed. And of course, you can target it with a stratagem even though it has been destroyed. And for that one CP, you don't roll. It just automatically triggers the Deadly Demise roll. So, straight off the bat, what I love about this is that if you turn one during deployment, you're all bunched up and one of your guys dies, you can use that death to get uh, below starting strength on all the Griblies nearby so they all pop off in the next shooting phase. Possibly. Um, apart from that, Robo, what do you think? It's got a weird like caveat of that cannot fly, uh, which yes. I'm not sure why that needs to be there. But okay. I know why. And then <laughs> <laughs> one big massive harridan, maybe. Uh, well, even even the harpy, right? Do you explode from the base or from the wings? The base. Still, so still, turn one, you could yeet a harpy into somebody's deployment zone. Um, and blow up in a phenomenal I mean, a phenomenal range before they've really got a chance to spread out. That's like, guess what they're trying to avoid? Yeah, so yeah it's, a, it's nice. It's a nice thing. It really, um, I feel like the best use, as you mentioned, is trying to proc the plus one to hit for yourself. I, I'm always a little bit dicey about spending ACP to intentionally hurt myself, but uh, if I had like a nice deadly demise one Carnifex in the middle of all my Exocrines, of course I would, I would spend it there. Yeah, that seems like the best use for me. All right, Robbo, uh, do you have the next one up? If, if you are, fire yep. away, mate. So Rampaging Monstrosities, it's one CP in the fight phase. One turn of monster from your army that has not been selected to fight this phase. Turn to the phase, you get reroll to hit. So one CP, reroll to hit in combat for a monster. It's decent. I'm not going to moan at that. Yep. Where's the best use, like, say, a Harispex or...? If you've got a Carnifex unit. Because it's not model, it's kept the monster Ooh. unit. Yeah. For one CP, actually, on, like, two carnies, that's pretty good value. Yeah, or even, like, old one eye in one and stuff, mm. just to guarantee stuff goes through. If you've got a couple of CP floating around or it's an important combat, it's nice to have that option. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, next up, Savage Raw, one CP. In your fight phase, uh, just after an immune selected their targets, it's one monster unit. I'll, I'll actually make that distinction now that you've pointed it out because I think it's important. Uh, that was selected as the, as the targeted attacks. Uh, the enemy unit must take a battle shock test until the end of the phase. Each time a model that enemy unit makes an attack that targets your unit, minus one from the hit roll. If that unit, if battle shock was failed, minus one from the wound roll as well. What do we think about that, gents? Minus um, the hit is just nice with an added bonus of minus one to wound potentially. Yeah, but essentially it's lightning fast reactions in combat only with a with a rider as well. John, what do you think? Uh, I like the I like this one. I like having a situational defense strat even if it is melee only because there's big upside and it makes it very unreliable to charge a monster to death because very few things can hit a turn monster suddenly suffer a minus one to hit and wound they weren't planning on and be happy about it. 
So I love telling my opponent, like, hey, just, you know, be aware of this thing because charging a monster no longer really feels like a viable way to kill it. Um, yeah. Although, I, I'm going to be honest, this is on my mind now that we've looked at the unit versus monster distinction. What I immediately thought about once we realized that was a thing is that some of these monster strats could work on a unit of Tyrant Guard or Neurogaunt so that has a monster attached to it. Ooh. Yeah. And can't you put a Flying Hive Tyrant with Gargoyles as well? Uh, I think the Flying Hive Tyrant doesn't have leader. Uh, I think only the Prime can do that, not the Tyrant. Uh, maybe the Prime, I was thinking, yeah. So, shame. That Hive Tyrant one you just mentioned, uh, with what? Is it do, what? What did what a Tyrant Guard units come? Is it three and six? Yep, you can take a, you can take a six, man. That gets really spicy with some of these already. Anyway, let's get the full package and then we'll unpack as we as we need. So, uh, Robo, give us the next one. Yeah. So, untrammeled ferocity. Uh, used in your movement phase, one turned monster unit from your army, not been selected to move. So, the end of the phase, models in the unit can move through enemy models as if they were friendly models. And so, at the end of the phase, any desperate escape tests for those models must take are automatically passed. And it is one CP. What do you think? It's nice to get um, like desperate breakout if you want to. Like, if you're tagged or wrapped and you don't want to lose a big guy, I'm a risk trying to fall back so you can shoot into that unit, deal with the unit in another way. Move for any models if they've tried to move block you is nice, but a lot of the time your opponent can sit like an inch or two further back and your back your base isn't clearing the back of yeah. their base by an inch anyway. So mm. it's a nice tool, but I can't see it getting that much use if opponents know it exists and can just play around it slightly. That's how I feel as well. I feel like situationally you'll find maybe a, a, a niche case where it comes up, but you'll be happy when you have to have it when you need it. Apart from that, or whatever. Um, Swarm Guard of Salvos is up next with one CP. It's in your shooting phase. Uh, Tyranid monster unit from your army uh, that's been selected to shoot. To the end of the phase, ranged uh, weapons equipped by models in the unit have ignores cover. And until the end of the phase, each time model unit makes an attack, you can ignore any roll modifiers to ballistic skill and modifiers to the hit roll. So ignoring minus one BS, ignoring minus one to hit, and getting ignores cover in addition. John, how do you feel about it? Uh, pretty good. Um, there are other ways to ignore cover, but having it on demand is quite valuable, um, especially because basically none of the uh, monsters ignore cover innately, especially the ones that you would think would, such as like an acid spray terrain effects, it doesn't actually ignore cover. So this, even though there are other ways to get ignore cover, the ignore ballistic skill and hit modifiers is nice when you need it, and then just having ignore cover on demand can be very valuable, so I think this is a good good stratagem to have access to. Enough, I'm not like insanely crazy about it, but like yeah, this is this is pretty nice to have. Like the yeah, one downside to it is because it's used on a unit that hasn't been selected to shoot this phase, you can't use it reactively to an opponent. Yeah. So if they go lightning fast, it's not just in your shooting phase, because at that point you've selected your unit and a target, so it's not a viable monster unit anymore. So you have yeah. to like preempt things, which is... It's, it's, yeah, it's right. It's very weird wording. Because you've got to be like, I'm going to spend the CP on these guys... And now they're going to shoot. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite strange. It's uh, that has not been. It's it's not when you shoot the unit. It's before you shoot. The, yeah, it's weird. Anyway, um, John, give us that last one. All right, the last one is massive impact in your charge phase. Just after turn of monster ends a charge move, uh, select an enemy unit with an engagement range and roll a dice. Uh, sorry, roll sixty six for each four plus. They suffer one mortal wound. So just. Yep, just pick one tiered monster model, an enemy with an engagement range of that model. It's a baby tank shock. What do you think about it, Robo? 
I like it. I it's a toned down version of what they had in the past. The version yeah. they had in the White Dwarf was bonkers. This is nice. If you want to go in, you spend two CP. You massive impact for three mortal wounds. You tank shock. A lot of stuff has strength 10, 12. So you're rolling 10 or 12 dice. You get another three, four. So okay, I can go in and you can just pick out that character and then punch a unit, or you can hit something, like chip away, finish a vehicle off, and then start wailing on a squad. So it's a nice little ability to have there. All right, Jess, so that is our Crusher Stampede for this edition, and uh, it doesn't seem as terrifying a behemoth as we left in the last one um and i've got to say the package that we're getting for being crusher stampede isn't setting me on fire it's got some nice stuff in there but how do you guys rate it overall john um i feel like the easy thing to do is to kind of compare this to the invasion fleet because it's tried and tested and true um and to me this doesn't make me want to play monsters like that's the big thing is that none of these rules actually make me that excited about monsters and i, I like the monster data sheets but I just, I honestly think I'd rather have access to a 5-up Funeral Pain and some sustained yeah. and lethal hits if I was playing a bunch of monsters rather than this Crusher Stampede. Well, I'm looking at this, and durability-wise, the best durability-adding effect that you have is a minus one to hit in combat with, with, like I said, with a rider. And you're giving up the ability to have that feel no pain as a defensive mechanic instead. Robo, is that enough to keep this Crusher Stampede on the shelf, or are we, are we sleeping on the power? I think the base rule of having that plus one to hit, plus one to wound, could drag things up. Uh, it's worth mentioning things. All the monsters are slightly, slightly cheaper, so there's a little bit more emphasis to go down that route. But feel no pain. So you're losing that durability, potentially double feel no pain on things, so you're losing more durability, as if the Hive Tyrant still got that. And then... Like John said, that sustained sixes or lethal hits, you're losing damage, and none of these strats add damage. The yep. base ability is going to give you that little bit more over the course of the game, but it's possible to hit for one turn, because maybe you survive and get finished the next turn without feeling no pain, may not quite push him over the line. There you go. All right, next up we have the Unending Swarm, and yes, we're going to be powering on at a good clip. The detachment rule here is insurmountable odds. Each time an enemy unit is selected to shoot after that unit has finished making its attacks, if one or more models from... Uh, sorry, if one or more models from one or more endless multitude units from your army were destroyed as a result of those attacks, each such unit can make a surge move. To do so, roll 1d6, and that unit can be moved a distance an inch, inches equal to the result, but that unit must end that move close as possible to the closest enemy unit, excluding aircraft. When doing so, those models can move... Uh, can be moved within engaged range of enemy units. A unit cannot make a surge move. So it can be moved within engaged range. Uh, the unit uh, cannot make a surge move whilst it is battle-shocked. Oof. Robo, sounds fun. Is it good? I think it's very good. Um, I read this and I was like, oh, this could be really, really annoying because your opponent all of a sudden is like, if I need to shoot this unit twice, where is it going to be after that first move? Where's it going to be after the second move, potentially, if it's a squad of 20 and taking the bigger units on things? The worry I have is this ability and the abilities that follow it do lead you down to wanting lots of models, 
And if you're constantly having to move your units multiple times in your turn, your opponent's turn, mm. it could be quite time intensive. And if you're at events or games where you have like a restricted time, say it's like a two and a half hour event, which they're not as common, but do exist. You, it's something just to consider if you do want to play this yeah. style. It is a lot of activations, and I suppose you kind of put yourself at your opponent's mercy. Not saying they would be doing anything, you know, uh, untoward or whatnot, but you can kind of poke and prod your opponent and get him to make a bunch of activations in, uh, yeah, in unopportune times, I guess. Um, you want to give us the I, enhancements, Rob? Uh, John? You so I actually, before we, uh, so first up, I, I completely echo that. I think this is a great detachment to take to an RTT. I question my willingness to take this to a major. Uh, but I actually want to ask you guys a question about this rule and see if you read it the same way I do. So that unit can be moved, blah, blah, blah. That unit must end that move as close as possible to the closest enemy unit, right? Closest. Yeah. So, closest so my question is, yeah, does that just mean that I find the model that is closest to the enemy unit when we start? <laughs> that model has to go straight towards the enemy and as close as possible. Everyone else moves whatever direction they want, maintains coherency and calls it a day. Yes, it does not yep. indicate, but that yep. unit must end that move as close as possible. So, the close model. Yes. So, are you saying this is like a ninth edition charge move, where as long as one model ends closer, well, in this case, the closest as possible, the rest of the unit can just go absolute wherever it likes? Because that is the case. This thing goes up by a multitude in power. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I read that. And it's going to get very relevant when we talk about the stratagems. I won't spoil it, but mm -hmm. that's how I read that rule. And it has that makes it a lot more appealing. Yeah, the mm -hmm. ability to do nonsense is amazing. <laughs> but then, because it's even like the closest model in the unit, okay, so you've killed five, I'll move the unit in a weird way, and you've shot them again. So I'm going to pull the ones that were closest to the closest unit. And the ones that are now closest to a different unit are the closest. So I'm going to move in a completely opposite direction now. Yeah. In all sorts of weird ways. I can see this. I can see this getting really wonky as well because it's each time an enemy unit is selected to shoot. Because can you? Uh, uh, did I miss something in there? Or can the same unit do multiple surge moves in a shooting in the opponent's shooting phase? Uh, up to twenty or up to nineteen, if we're being technical. Um, no, I mean, each time that unit is shot, can it do yeah. two, three, yep. four yeah, individual surge moves? John said 19 models, one at a time, could die. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can do this as yeah. many times as you get shot and lose a model. Man, there is a lot to take into account with that. Um, so let's, uh, while we're, whilst we're reading through the rest of this, let's take those two interpretations into account. One being every model must move as close as possible to the closest unit, and one being the unit has to move closer. We'll, we'll try and keep two different kind of power spheres in our mind. Uh, Robert, do you want to read out all the enhancements for us? Yeah, so Relentless Hunger is turn of model only. Add two to the move characteristic of models in the bearer's unit. So we're starting to see enhancements that benefit the bearer and others, which is really nice. That's nice. Yep. Uh, naturalized camouflage, turned model only. So start the first battle round. So that's three friendly endless multitude units within nine of the bearer. Until the end of the first battle round, each time a ranged attack takes one of those units, models in the unit have the benefit of cover against that attack. It's pretty nice. Uh, piercing talons, again, turned model. Each time a model in the bearer's unit makes an attack on a critical wound, improve the AP of that attack by one. And then adrenalized onslaught, turn model only. Each time the bearer's unit piles in or consolidates, 
models in that unit can move an additional three inch. John, what do the points look like for these? So the points for these are not too bad. There's kind of the weird thing that I noticed with these is that it's actually very hard to attach a character to the endless multitude units because uh, only the neuro tyrant into the uh, into the neurons can do it. But for the uh, unending swarm, adrenalized onslaught that plus three consolidate only fifteen, but thirty for naturalized camouflage, which of course is only effective on turn one. Uh, piercing talons is twenty five, and relentless hunger is twenty. Is natural camouflage what you guys are seeing the juiciness as well? Um, I actually don't love naturalized camouflage, but it's definitely not bad. Yeah, yep. I, I'm liking adrenalized onslaught. What do you guys uh, think is the best? What's the standout, and what units are you putting it on? I like relentless hunger for extra uh, movement. So that's the yeah, yeah. I like a lot of these. But I'm not a Tyranid player, so, so I'll trust you guys. Uh, is this a good package? In my mind, the enhancements are all fine. None of them are army-defining. Uh, there's just two movement tricks that are cute. The reason I don't like naturalized camouflage is that it's battle round one only. Doesn't matter for battle rounds two through five. And battle round one, you can just deploy in range of a Venom Therapy unit, which you'll probably take in this detachment anyways, because you want your box to be alive. And then you just have cover. Fair enough. I suppose I'm thinking of... The Australian WTC list that essentially had three large unit of gargoyles and that just all yeeted or, you know, periodically yeeted at their opponent and then just being like, well, all these guys are just more durable turn ones. Let's just, it, it unshackles a lot of ability, like you said, of not having to be stuck on your venom throw, so to speak. Um, that was a very specific build. Let's jump into the strats, first of which is Synaptic Goading. This is one CP. Any phase, adjust before an endless multitude unit from your army that is within sign-ups range of your army uh, makes a surge move. Um, when making that surge move, you can re-roll the D6 to determine how far your unit moves, and your unit can end that move as close as possible to the closest objective marker instead of as close as possible to closest enemy unit. All other rules apply. I like that one a lot. Robbo, what do you think? I love it. It's so bonkers because all of a sudden you're like, oh, you thought it was going to move there. No, I'm going to move towards this objective, which all of a sudden drags the back of my unit behind a wall so you can't see them with the rest of it. Well, because exactly right. The, um, the, the less liberal wording that we have where the whole unit must end closer to that one rather than being able to spread out and, the, and being more powerful would lead me to believe that in, like, in a bad matchup, you can you can pull units towards you, um, and that could be detrimental to the Tyranid player being like, "Well, I, I don't want to be pulled towards the freaking Lich Guard brick." Thank you very much. Sir. <laughs> like, I'd rather not that not happen. Um, so yeah, it could be used against you, John. What do you think? I absolutely love this stratagem because um, once you get to the as close as possible, um, if you're already on the closest objective, like physically on the puck you just have leeway to move the unit because you're already as close as possible. So you just get to make a move. Um, that's, again, that's with the more liberal interpretation, which I believe is the correct one. But if it ends up not being the case, of course, I'll have to revisit. Um, I, I think this stratagem, though, is phenomenal. Rerolling the distance is very good because if you roll a one, it's like, eh, well, what was the point? Um, I love that you could use this stratagem twice if you had a hive turret. But yeah, synaptic yeah. goading, A-plus stratagem, I mind. this really helps that attachment ability work. Uh, because, yeah, even though the surge move is optional, so if your opponent tries to goad you into Lich Guard, you can just not do it. But it would be much better to instead move away from the Lich Guard if I had a choice in the matter. Spot on. Uh, sticking with you, John, give us the next uh, stratagem. 
Absolutely. The next stratagem is unending waves for two command points here. Uh, in any phase, when an endless multitude unit from your army is destroyed, hit them with a strategy that they've already you know, been destroyed. And you just add a new unit to your army identical to the destroyed unit in strategic reserves at its starting strength without any of its uh, attached characters, if there were any. So just, it's the guard reinforcement strategy. Two CP, they kill an unending swarm, tossed into reserves without a character, no problem. And it's not once nice. again. Mm -hmm. Robo, what do you think of it? It's amazing. If you're running stuff like gargoyles, that can go, oh, I'll just drop in, shoot you, and move on to your objective. Oh, you killed me. You killed all my gargoyles. Well, I have a hive tyrant on the board, or I have a couple of CP spare, because I'm not using them. Lot. Cool, yeah, there we go. I've saved up my CP, because the hive tyrant's helping me with that, and I'll spend two, and just bring the unit back all the time. Love it. I think it's I think it's legit as well. Um, you want to keep with keep with Robo? Let's go for the next one, dude. Yeah, so we've got teaming masses, which is your opponent's shooting phase or fight phase, just after an enemy unit has selected its targets. One endless multitude unit from your army set to the target of one or more of the attacks. Uh, minus one to hit. Nice. Yeah, that's Love one it. CP. It's interesting because, like you said, you will probably have Venomthropes and you'll have bigger units of models stringing out back to them to make the most of the detachment's rules. But working in fight phase as well, I think that's where this stratagem comes in its own. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on. Swarming masses, 1CP also. Uh, in your shooting phase or the fight phase, and your endless multiple unit that is uh, has not been selected to shoot or fight this phase, to the end of the phase, weapons equipped by models in the unit have sustained hits 1, and it and if your unit contains 15 or more models, each time a model unit makes an attack and a modified hit roll of 5 scores a crit. 1 CP for 5's crit and sustained hits, because you are not going to use this when you do not have 15 or more models, you just, unless, unless you're absolutely desperate. Uh, this seems pretty good. John, what are your thoughts? Uh, I love it. I think this is great. Um, anytime I see these kind of abilities, I immediately think, how do I either get rerolls on the unit or how do I get that unit to get another thing that procs on criticals? So, for example, if I could ever give a unit lethal hits on top of sustained hits, suddenly I think that this would be an incredibly good stratagem instead of merely a very good stratagem. As it is, 1 CP, I love it. Looks very useful. Helps with the damage output problem that a swarm list can sometimes have. Beauty. I'm going to do another one. Bounding advance, 1 CP. One uh, unit from your army in your movement phase. Well, one endless multitudes. Uh, until the end of the phase, each time your unit advances, do not make an advance roll. Instead, you order advance six and add that to your move instead. Uh, Robo, seems pretty good still. I absolutely love that. Because when you've got so many movement shenanigans, you've got so many models to move and do tricks and stuff with, all of a sudden just going, yeah, I'm going to go auto six so I can guarantee mm. this unit's going... 12, 16, 18, depending on the unit, and be exactly where I need it to be to then trigger, move towards the closest objective, because I'm going to leave one model next to this objective, one next to this objective, one next to this objective, the exact distance away from each, and depending on what shoots me from where, I'll pull those near the other objectives and move towards the one I want to. It's yeah, and with knowledge guarantee. of... Yeah, and with knowledge of your opponent's movement phase as well, you've seen you get to see where they go in response to where your unit goes. It seems real nice. Um, what's the movement on a Hormigan? Are they eight? I think they're ten. Ugh. That is nice. Sixteen inch move. That's that's pretty juicy. All right, um, John, give us the last uh, stratagem. Oh, thank you. 
All right, preservation imperative. One CP. Uh, oof. Uh, in your opponent's shooting phase, just after an immune has selected its targets, um, pick an undesirable unit that was just selected as the target, and until the end of the phase, your unit is treated as counting as having fewer than five models for the purpose of blast. Dear me, mother of God, they did it. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, Robert, what do you think? There's so many good things in this stratagem. In that one simple yeah. rule, it's, oh, cool, I have a high tyrant. I'm going to use this stratagem twice. And, oh, wait, it's not just the unit that shoots me. It's until the end of the phase. So every other blast unit wants to shoot after your first one, for those armors that have multiple, I don't care. This unit, you have to kill the hard way. And it's right. going to be moving around and doing all sorts of nonsense at the same time. Well, and maybe it's minus one to hit as well. You send them back to the Stone Age. Send them back to Eighth Edition, back where they belong. Because I mean, they don't have all the. We don't have all the Ninth Edition D three plus threes and D six plus two number of shots. Everyone's got D threes and D sixes with a blast keyword to make them relevant. And now you're like, nah. See you back in Eighth Edition, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Just roll the dice, rip the ripcord, see if you get enough shots. Uh, I got to say. Compared to the Crusher Stampede uh, suite of stratagems, these ones are freaking gas. Just about all of them is, are phenomenal. Am I crazy, or is this good? Uh, we'll start with you, John. Uh, this is much, much better than uh, than Crusher. <laughs> I, do, I do slightly dislike that there are no rules that really benefit anything besides the Unending Swarm, or the Endless Multitude units. So obviously, if you take this, it's because you are going to lean very hard into it. Uh, like, there's no stratagems that don't key off Endless Multitude. The Detachment rule provides nothing other than Endless Multitude. But I think this, I think that's, that's okay, right? If you don't want to play Endless Multitude, pick a different Detachment and get over it. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. The detachment is yeah. almost. This one is is saying you have to play the skew. If you're not, if yep. you're just taking fifty fifty, yep. you, you're better off with the invasion fleet. You, your endless multitude and nothing else, or almost don't bother. Is that fair to say, Robo? Yeah, pretty much. It's like we've got the invasion fleet, which is you want to play tyranids, cool. Then it's got you want to play nid monsters, you want to play nid little bugs and a horde. And the theme kind of goes on. It's each of these detachments is. A little bit niche. Um, yeah. I quite like that. It leads you down a route, but there's enough of them to have different routes to say the meta changes. Okay, cool. I'll adapt and play this detachment or that detachment. So because it seems like it fairly well done. I hope I hope this stays on brand because the last thing we want to do is to have like those six stratagems um, able to be wielded judiciously, like inside a inside a full swathe of an army. Um, but anyway, jumping over, moving along quickly into the assimilation swarm. The detachment rule is feed the swarm in your command phase. Each time a harvester unit from your army that is within range of an objective market you control, uh, and it can be regenerate uh, can regenerate one friendly tyranny's unit that is within six of it. A unit can only be regenerated once per phase, and each time a unit regenerates it, do one of the following. One model that unit regains up to D3 lost wounds. One destroyed infantry model, excluding characters, is returned to that unit with its full wounds remaining. If that unit is an endless multitude unit, up to three destroyed models are returned as well. So, um, so a harvester unit... So the T's and C's here are a little interesting. A harvester unit that is within range of an objective marker can regenerate another unit that is within six of it. So you could be 
you could have the back of your base within three of the objective mark, you know, in a control zone, and then six inches away from that, if you've got a big old base, can be like in the middle of the freaking board or something, and you can proc this little juicy little bit. Um, what are the harvester units off the top of our heads, guys? Uh, I'll give it for you. There's four of them. It is the Ripper Swarm, Pyrovores, the Horus Specs, and the Psychophage. Those are the four. There are no others. Everything one of these out. things, <laughs> one of these things is very cheap and disposable, and can be slapped here, there, and everywhere. And every other thing you said is expensive with a big base and could be picked up or and and can't really be hidden that well. Uh, uh, Pyrovores are okay. Yeah, Pyrovores are uh, quite cheap, even if they are a little bit bulky. But the idea of just having like a Ripper Swarm, just healing stuff, is pretty hilarious. And it's probably worth um, mentioning Rippers now are units of one, units of two, yeah. or units of three. So you can have a yeah. single Ripper Swarm floating around. Three single Rippers, just like being Apothecary, seems hilarious <laughs> to me. Somehow putting other bugs back together in my head, that is my head cannon, and I will not be changing it. Uh, is this a good rule, though, John? Uh, it is. This is the hardest one to, to like really put a gauge on. I think it is. It's a little bit limited, and mostly I'm worried about the limits of the Harvester keyword, not the limits of the rule itself. But healing D3 Lost Wounds or an infantry model, because you know standing up a three-wound warrior is not bad. Uh, there is the limit of once per phase, but, you know, and even though it says in your command phase, there is, of course, the implication that it will occur in other phases as well. Um, I think this is decent. But it's so hard to gauge, because if anyone is able to get to grips, if someone has, you know, a Whirlwind or a Night Spitter or a Vengor launcher, like, one Desolator squad could just find the three Ripper Swarms, kill all three, and say, oh, okay, that was cute. And I, I hate that your army could stop, your army rule could stop functioning as soon as your opponent gets their target priority together. That is very fair. Robert, anything to add? Yeah, it seems like it's a nice, fun rule, but it's a little bit hard to put into practice because you've got that, like you say, six-inch bubble plus a base from objectives. And Harrowspex is going to stick out, going to get shot. Your mm. rippers, it's a small base, you're a bit limited. So it kind of, your backfield objectives are going to be nice. You're going to struggle to keep many of those alive for too long on like a mid-board objective somewhere. So I'm not sure it lets you push and play the game the way Ninth wants you to, being all over the board, scoring cards, tactical everywhere. But I like the idea. I just think it could have maybe been a little more powerful it's, in its, it's execution. Everyone get your bingo cards ready, because I'm about to say the line. The T's and C's are extensive <laughs> on this one. And it may be the T's and C's are like one step too far for it to be a real powerful option. But, John, give us all the enhancements. Let's see what the rest of the package brings. Absolutely. As normal, we've got four enhancements. First up is Regenerating Monstrosity. Uh, one tiered model that's not a monster. The bear's unit can be regenerated up to twice per phase instead of once. So just mm. whatever that unit is, twice per phase. Uh, instinctive Defense, uh, tiered model only. While a bear's within six inches of a uh, friendly harvester unit, uh, you can target that bear's unit with a heroic intervention judgment for zero CP. And while they're within six inches of a friendly harvester unit, they gain fights first. Next is Biophagic Flow, which is an aura, turn model only. Uh, while a friendly harvester model is within 12 of the bear, uh, then when using the Feed the Swarm ability, that harvester model can regenerate one friendly turn unit that's within nine instead of six. So take 12-inch aura of it, turn the harvester aura into nine instead of six. Finally, we have Parasitic Biomorphology. Love that word. And uh, turn model only, plus one strength, to melee weapons equipped by models in the bear's unit. 
the first time the bearer's unit destroys an enemy unit in the fight phase while the bearer is within six inches of a friendly harvester unit until the end of the battle, plus one to the attacks characteristics of melee weapons in the bearer's unit. Lots of T's and C's all over those enhancements. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of hoops to jump through all of them. Not bad rules on the end of it, but a lot of hoops. Mm. Uh, this makes me feel like this is a good... Everything in here is good until your opponent gets bad touched by it a couple of times, and then they can kind of stop a lot of this from popping off. Robbo, what's your bead on them? I, I like some of them, but for the points, I'm kind of like, mm, okay. So like the last one John mentioned where it's plus one strength, and then if you kill a unit whilst within six of a harvest, da, 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 it's 25 points. I'm like, plus one strength is nice, but what units can these actually go in that are super effective? Because as we've seen in the past, like the NID characters, they can do like a warrior unit with plus one strength is nice, but warriors are okay. There's a lot more fun elsewhere. And it seemed like, cool, I get heroic intervention for free and a fight's first. That's quite nice, and that's pretty cheap. 15 points. That can cause your opponents to have problems. Yep. But again, if your harvest units can just die or they're not in the right position because you're not within six, and they harvest units want to be on objectives, because if they're off objectives, you're not getting your feed the swarm, you're just getting these buffs instead. So it's a really small like bubble of effectiveness around each objective, potentially. Uh, John, what's enough. your pick of the what's your pick of the bunch, mate? Uh, I think that the best one is actually the biophagic flow, with the one that takes uh, harvester units within twelve of the bearer to nine inches and six. I think that's really going to help rippers and pyro soul pyrovores like really reach more targets to get more effect out of the healing. Funny enough, that is also the one that is the cheapest at merely ten points. I love it when Games Workshop makes the most effective one also the cheapest. I think you just <laughs> toss this on like a loan op like the Parasite of Mortrex and just say, yep, this is a cheap loan op. It's a little more expensive than a Lictor or equivalent would be, but it's going to make a lot of those Rippers and Pyrovores just a bit more effective at getting their rule to function because there's that threat of you might not get enough effectiveness out of this as your opponent starts to pick off the Harvester units. You really need each one to be hitting a unit it wants to hit. I think that's the best one. Does does the parasite still make Ripper Swarms? He it can. It still has to kill an enemy in melee with a one attack weapon to do so. Yeah. But yes, that is an option to an emergency create an extra a harvester swarm. unit. Yeah, to emergency create a harvester unit. That would actually be, I guess, a little cheeky way. Because I think as soon as you said that, my eyes popped up like, oh, there's a little bit of extra synergy here. Um, all right. First of the stratagems, Broodguard Impulse, one CP. It's used in any phase. One harvester unit from your army that was just destroyed, and you could use a stratagem even though the unit was just destroyed. To the end of the battle, each time a friendly Tyranids model makes an attack that targets the enemy unit that just destroyed your harvester unit, plus one to wound. Um, yeah, fair. Robbo, what do you think? I like it, because if you are running those little rippers, etc., and you're like, I'm just going to put this ripper out, and <laughs> come on, let's just see what goes for it. Like, I'm going to put it at a weird angle where I know your good unit can get to it, but not that much else can get to it. Mm -hmm. So unless you want to overextend something to deal with it, I'm going to get plus one to wound against your big unit that I have to deal with. Mm. For one CP, really good. I like it as well. Um, Robo, sticking with you, what's the next one? So we have Reclaim Biomass. Any phase when a turret unit from your army is destroyed, 
before the last model in, its, in it is removed from play, you target one harvest unit from your army that is in the six of that destroyed unit, and you regenerate one friendly tuned unit within six of your harvester unit. So that's not regenerate as in bring back a unit, but it's bring a model back or bring D3 models back. So basically, the last model has to be within six of a harvester unit, and then another unit within six of the harvester unit that has to be on an objective gets to heal itself. So one unit dies, another gets respawned slightly. Okay, yeah, so you, you, you're redistributing... A couple of wounds here yeah. or there, essentially, as your opponent takes a few away. That's actually hard to get your head around how that works. John, what do you think? Um, I like it. It's very cheeky for, like, when the scraps of an army are trying to get tabled and you just, like, find the toughest thing and feed wounds into it. Um, there's a bunch of very funny applications to this. Um, for example, I could charge a spore mine into something, watch it oh. die in the charge phase, and then immediately oh. put D3 wounds onto something else. Oh, no spore mine interactions, please. I'm um, so sorry. It is a Tyranid unit. Oh, jeez, no. That's actually pretty hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're you, see this living, you, <laughs> you see this living grenade it's, whose only purpose is to explode? It's going to heal some stuff for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll give it a little nurse outfit just for you. Sorry. If you're Robert? just off an objective as well somewhere, mm. oh, and it's like... Cool, that's the last unit you've shot. You've killed this unit off an objective. Eh, let's put another unit on somewhere else. Let's just regen models, put them on objectives. Oh, say it ain't so. Anyway, um, Tyrannoformed is up next, 1CP, in your command phase. Um, so when command phase, it doesn't say yours or theirs, apologies, uh, one half unit from your army that is within range of an objective marker that you control. Uh, that objective marker remains under your control, even if you have no models in range of it, uh, until your opponent controls it at the start of any turn, a start or end of any turn. Uh, one CP for sticky objective, that is actually quite nice. Do you turn it have any other form of sticky objectives? In the Not that I've seen. No, nope. this is this is adding something very unique to the package, uh, Matt. What do you think? I love the fact you have sticky objectives because uh, it's a really powerful rule. The weird downside is that harvester unit kind of wants to stay on the objective anyway to get its mm. detachment rules. So it's nice if you are on it, want to stay on it, and there's a chance you die because you need to put yourself in a weird position that. Okay, cool. I'm going to get shot if I go out here, but I need to be here to heal what I need to heal. And then it kind of makes your opponent not want to shoot it because if they kill it, you still have the objective anyway. It just stops you doing a little bit of stuff. So it's not knocking primary down. So it makes it a less valuable target, which is nice. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to weigh up all the little sub things that go with cool, I've got an objective I can move off potentially. Yeah. Um, Sticking with yourself, Robo, give us the next one. So we have a plated carapace, which is 2 CP. Opponent shooting phase or fight phase after an enemy unit selected its targets. One harvest unit from your army that was selected as a target of one or more of the unit's attacks. So at the end of the phase, models unit have a fire feel no pain. If you're within range of an objective marker, you control. So at the end of the phase, models unit have the feel no pain Oof. 4 plus instead. Oof. What do you think? Um, I've wish this was one CP because it's harvest units only. So this is Rippers, Pyrovores, Psychophage and... Harrow Specs. Harrow Specs. 
So John. it's quite limited, but it is very strong having a four-up film of pain on an objective. I was about yeah. to say, yeah. It, it seems good enough to use at times. John, sorry, what are your thoughts, mate? No problem. Feels like a great stratagem for the Horus Specs or uh, three-man Pyrovore. Because the three-man Pyrovore is a brick of 15 wounds. Once you put a four-up film of pain on that, break points kind of go out the window and you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, feels very good. Two CP means that it's a little hard to double up on. Obviously, Tyranid stratagems love to be spent once and then thrown out by a tyrant a second time. Uh, but this may just be one that I use once a phase, unless it's really important to me that I protect two things. Great way to protect the Harris specs. Great way to hold down the fort on an objective. I love that. I love this on Pyrovoids. Funny enough, a Psychophage has a 5-up Fiona Pain on the data sheet, so I feel like this is psycho this is Herospex and pyrovore only effectively agreed i do agree with that um next one is secure biomass one cp in the fight phase one tyranid unit from your army that's not been selected to fight this phase so not a harvester unit a tyranid unit until the end of the phase merely weapons equipped by models in the unit have lethal hits if your unit is a harvester unit you get crits on a five plus um robo what do you think yeah lethal hits is pretty good on a lot of things uh, just in the fight phase, uh, this could have been both phases. Mm. Making five ups do criticals is nice for those key units. Maybe that's not why it's in the well, shooting phase because pyrovores would be quite fun. Yeah, we could have five yeah. up lethal hits. And if, it, well, if they don't even, they don't even roll the hit. Exactly, pyrovores don't roll the hit. <laughs> and, and and then and pyrovores are the only ones that have a yeah. gun of all the harvester units, right? Unless we just have a little uh, spine fist or some crap. Funny enough, all four harvester units have a gun of some kind. They're just all I mean, like, completely useless. Trap. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, they have gun. It's just a gun you'd spend a CP on. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, so it's nice. I'm not sure I'd spend my one CP on this compared to some of the other ones we've got. But, okay, it's a nice option to have. The thing that I'll note is that so far this is the first way to get lethal hits onto a Hormagon squad. I don't actually think this is for the harvester units. Yeah, that's fair. I well, the fact that it, I, I did point out it's a tyranny unit, so it has got some play. It's one of the few things in in these so far, um, in any of these detachments so far that has universal use. Yeah, I, I think Formagons um, is like where I'd actually use it because none of the other stuff really needs it. Mm. Um, John, give us the last one. All right, one CP rapacious hunger. One Tyranid unit from your army that just destroyed an enemy unit, and of course this can only be used in your fight phase, not the your fight phase. Uh, your unit immediately regenerates, and when doing so, if they happen to have the Harvester keyword, uh, and you choose to regain D3 wounds, you'll instead regain flat 3. So just one CP, kill something in combat, the unit that got the kill immediately regenerates. I don't mind it. What are your thoughts? Uh, one CP heal three wounds on a Horus Specs could be pretty useful. Does the Horus Specs also heal in addition for kills? No. Uh, it always used to, but fair enough. Uh, that is the Assimilation Swarm package, gentlemen. It is wonky, to say the least. It has a lot of T's and C's going on, but I feel like if it's if it's something that you can master, there is a good amount of power in this package. Robo, what are your thoughts overall? Yeah, I like a lot of the little tricks and little positioning things it can do. I don't think I'd be playing this over the other two, straight up. But it's definitely something I want to get a couple of games on the table with, just to see how that positioning works. Because I'm open to being surprised by it. 
I'm just not 100% sold on first look. Well, because so there's already a bunch of aura-based mechanics you want to be interacting with. You want to be you want to be in synapse range at all times. You want to be in a lot of the times in venomthrope range at all times. Now you also want to be in harvester range at all times. It's adding another layer of necessary synergy for your army to be cohesion almost. John, is that safe to say? Is this like maybe a step one step too far in that direction, or is it just fine? I think it's one step too far because the units you want to build around aren't the ones that are really providing auras other than the Psychophage. Um, although, funny enough, this detachment does actually make the Psychophage somewhat appealing, even if yep. I wouldn't call it amazing. Um, yeah, it's there's so many hoops to jump through. I think this is one of those things where the army is actually going to be really cool when it's working at full efficiency. And so, again, I'd love to take this detachment to a local tournament, have some fun. It looks very fun and funny to play with. But I do worry that as soon as someone sees you walk up to the table and they say, all right, sit me down for five minutes here, what the hell's going on? If they actually listen to that and understand what you're doing, they're just going to take a hammer to your clockwork and it's just going to completely stop functioning if they actually are an army that gets to do that. Um, I think in about a year's time, when no one has played this, some freaking savant of Nids, some faction expert master of Nids, might be one of you two gents, will crack this thing and like win a major with it, just out of nowhere. Because I reckon there's a lot of power here, but it's going to be reliant on how good you are at Nids and stopping your opponent from unpicking, like you said, like pretty much untying your knot of uh, layered rules. Uh, but the layered rules, like I said, they are pretty good. Let's jump over to the fourth of these. This is the Vanguard Onslaught. Robo, you want to tell us about that detachment rule? Yeah, so this is question tendrils. Tyranids units of this ability are eligible to charge and so much they fall back. Vanguard Invader units of this ability are eligible to charge in a turn in which they advanced. Uh, it also has a sub-rule called Vanguard Prime, which Death Leaper loses the Hunter Organism rule and can be your Warlord. Nice. So, um, John, straight up, uh, everything is to fall back and charge, and then you get advance and charge on on what units of vanguards? I'm assuming it's going to be all the lictors, von Ryan lictors, stuff like that. Anything else? Yeah. So now that we've gotten through the um, the boring part of harvester only having four units with the keyword, the vanguard detachment has fifteen. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it's just a, okay. it is everything sneaky. So everything sneaky. Von Ryan Leapers, Gene Slayers, Broodlords, Neurolictor, Lictor, Death Leaper. Everything sneaky. Then every model that has wings. Harpy, Crone, Gargoyles, Winged Prime, Flying Hive Tyrant, um, and also the Tyrannocyte. Damn. <laughs> the Tyrannocyte. Because <laughs> it has fly. Because <laughs> it's got fly. It's, it's not everything uh, with fly. Venomthropes and Zonthropes don't have it. Everything with wings and the Tyrannocyte. I love that it is. <laughs> the Tyrannocyte well, is the one that gets me. Yeah, the Tyrannocyte is part of the invasion. It's the drop pod that delivers on day one. It's it is. part of the invasion. It it's, is. It's, the first it is. it's just funny. Um, so, is this a good rule? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's amazing. Amazing. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe it puts gene stealers on the menu um, uh, just straight off the bat. If if I already did not think lictors were were pretty good, uh, von Ryan's I respect. I'm not sure if they're um, how good they can be, but I played against them what twice, and I thought they're okay. But anyway, enhancement time, guys. Robo, give us the laydown. 
So, these are interesting enhancements. Turning model only for hunting grounds. While the bear is on the battlefield, each time your opponent sets a preserves unit on the battlefield, roll d6. On a 2+, plus, that unit must take a battleshock test. <laughs> okay. Infinite range. Infinite range. Infinite range. Damn. Um, chameleonic. Uh, Vanguard Invader model only. The bearer has the stealth ability. Each time a ranged attack targets the bearer's unit, models in that unit have the benefit of cover. Nice. Uh, Stalker. Vanguard Invader model, the start of the battle, so that one enemy unit. Each time the bearer makes an attack that targets that enemy unit, add one to the hit roll and add one to the wound roll. Uh, and that's the bearer, not the bearer's unit. Uh, and then Noro Nerd is Tyranids model only. After both players have deployed their armies and determined who has the first turn, you can select up to three Vanguard Invader units from your army, redeploy all of those units. Whilst doing so, any of those units can be placed into Strap Reserve, regardless of how many units are already in strap reserve. And this is after you've determined first turn. So there it is. Now. There it is, guys. First one and last one. That's uh, that's my that's Adam's Adam's uh, novice picks. John, this... Oh, they, this yeah. is the first time I've seen an enhancement in this book and been like, damn, that is great. Yeah, this is the first... And it completely is. This is definitely the first one where I'm immediately thinking... Oh, I would like to have multiple enhancements. I will go out of yeah. my way to get these enhancements. All the other enhancements, except for maybe the the one assimilation storm one that was ten points. All the other ones were oh, I'll throw that in at the end of the list. I'm starting with these on my list. This is getting factored in immediately. Fifty points to get so twenty for hunting grounds. That's the uh, on a two plus. If you came in from strategic, you take a battle shock. I mean GSC. You just like lol 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 <laughs> <laughs> lol lol. lol. Five turns of it, just again and again and again. Um, and uh, Neuro Node is thirty points and absolutely worth every penny. Um, any of the other, any of the others in the middle make a, make the cut? I think Chameleonic could do because it gives you stealth and cover. So, yep, it's nice. Fifteen points. It's not a must-have, but that's like a okay. Actually, yeah, this could be handy. Yeah, there, there's definitely some value to that, especially on. Um, some of the units that don't get the Venom Throw package. Uh, so, for example, like I could totally see myself putting this on... Um, well, it is actually... It's Vanguard Invaders only, actually. Yeah. So, um, uh, th- there's there's still some value in this. It's it's not... Chameleonic, I think, wasn't one of the expensive ones. Yeah, it's 15, 15 points. Yeah. It's nice. It doesn't, it's not mandatory, but if I have 15, I'll throw it in. So, Tyranid Prime with Wings and Broodlord. Are there any other characters? Uh, Parasite? Parasite. The what, sorry? The Parasite of Mortrex. Uh, Mortrex, yeah, and the Neuroparasite, the, the Neurotyrant, right? Is that a character? Uh, he, he is, but he's not Vanguard Invader. Oh, sorry, not the Neurotyrant, the Neurolictor. Uh, not a character. No. There you go, okay. Um, so, that is your selection. The first of the strats, I, surprise... Yeah, sure. Can I take one quick thing to point out here before we dive into strats, just because this will help the context a lot? Is that... With the way keywords work, you only need one model in a unit to have the keyword for the unit to have the keyword, which means that if you had a winged Tyranid Prime attached to Warriors, the unit would have the Vanguard Invader keyword as long as the Tyranid Prime is alive. That is spice uh, and very good to point out. So thank you. Um, 
first of the strats is surprise assault for one CP. Uh, your shooting or fight phase and one vanguard invader unit from your army that has not been selected to shoot or fight this phase and one enemy unit. That enemy unit must take a Battleshock test until the end of the phase each time a model in your unit makes an attack that targets that enemy unit. Add one to the hit roll and if the Battleshock test was failed, add one to the wound roll as well. Robo, what do you think? Yes, please. I, one CP for plus one to hit. Amazing. And a sneaky plus one to wound built in. I, I like these effects that are, do this. Oh, I'm take a battle shot for fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, I get an extra bonus. Like, it's worth one TP for plus one to hit. Just on a Vanguard unit. Cool. There's lots of units that's, that's nice on. Mm-hmm. A, a interesting distinction here. It doesn't say if that unit is battle shocked. It's if they failed that battle shock test. So if you battle shocked them by other means, do you get the plus one to wound? I don't think you do. No, you would not. This is kind of like uh, where you used to have take a leadership check. Now it's just a battle shock because that's yeah. the, the new version in a way. Because I, I was thinking there are two other ways you can battle shock them. You could do the two plus to battle shock them from reserve, or you could you know um, use Shadow in the Warp to battle shock them. But that neither of them would give you the plus one to wound, which I think is a little bit annoying on a, on a terms and conditions front, but still a good strat, right? Yes, Something don't. I really like here is that it is a Vanguard Invader unit that has not been selected to shoot or fight this phase and one enemy unit. Um, very funny thing, they don't actually have to hit that unit. Because you just pick oh. one that hasn't shot or fight, fought yet. So you could just pick uh, you could pick a Gene Stealer in the shooting phase and then pick a Custodian Guard 30 inches away and ask it to take a Battleshock test. And if it fails that Battleshock test, it doesn't get minus one damage when you shoot it with an Exocrine. True. That is. Yeah. Yes. One CP, <laughs> take a battleshot check. Damn, <laughs> my brain just reeling from the connotations of that, <laughs> of having, also having explained that to your opponent. It's very, it's very funny. Um, uh, it's yeah, correct, it's, though. Yeah, it's correct. And it's a really good because, you know, the timing was a little bit weird on the, um, on the, uh, some of the other. But in this case, before you select them as a target, so if they fail that, they won't get to use a stratagem. So if I, the more simple way is if I charge Gene Stars and use this strat, and a Space Marine unit fails its Battleshock test, they won't get to Armor of Contempt, because I haven't actually attacked them yet. I'll attack them after yeah. I've spent the stratagem. Yes, and got the information. Um, that's... <sighs> It's very. It's actually very judicious. I like that a lot. All right, Robert, well, give us the next one. Just to say one other thing on that one, it's not as if you do it just before you select that unit. You just select a unit that hasn't been selected hasn't to shot. fight. So you yeah. could go, I'm going to use the strat over here, I'm going to do all my fights over the other side of the board, and then come back to this one. Yeah. Um, you could use it in the fight phase to try to get someone to not be able to interrupt. Correct. And then start somewhere else and come back to it later. That's what I was about to say. Or disrupt the OC. It, I mean, it's... Shooting and fight phase. Yeah, you have to just be eligible to fight, right? So... You, you don't. You don't have to be eligible to fight. It has okay. not been selected. Oh, Jesus. So, this is one CP, anything, any... Like, just take a battle shot. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't even sight. Yeah, at least it's your shooting and fight phase, I guess. <laughs> if it was any, just, it just goes nuts. Uh, 
you would it's 100 you would almost hive tyrant this twice a turn just to mess with your opponent at every opportunity just yeah. be like bang bang pop 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 i think this is crazy well technically uh, if you're doing it with a hive tyrant you do it twice in the shoot phase once in the fight phase yes three times better say, oh oh you could just be such a nuisance like, all right uh robo give us the next okay, one we have to move so on assassin beasts one cp in your fight phase one vanguard invader infantry unit from your arm that's not been selected to fight this phase. So the end of this phase, melee weapons equipped by models in your unit have the precision ability. Yeah, I like it. It's it's a nice thing to have. It fits the detachment that wants you to take lictors and other assassiny things that have precision anyway. Yeah, yep, I agree. It's, nice. it's good. 100%. Um, John, give us the next one. All right. One CP seated broods in your movement phase. One tyranny unit from your army that is in reserves or two vanguard invader units from your army that are in reserves until the end of the phase for the purpose of setting up these units on the battlefield. Treat the current battle round number as being one higher than it actually is. So you can use this essentially on turn one or two to bring in a unit as if it was two and three respectively. Yeah, I like it. I think it's pretty handy. Especially when you put it together with the uh, enhancement to put units back into reserve and then CP bring them on um, earlier. Yeah. My favorite candidate here, the Harpy. Oh, because it's got to start off the table. If it's a flyer, you don't want it to get blown up turn one. Um, and it's a Vanguard Invader. Yeah, That's so actually two. really good. Damn, that's that's very spicy, actually. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, all right, next up, Hypersensory Skillia. Um, it's 2 CP. So expect big things. Your opponent's movement phase just after an enemy unit ends a normal advance or fallback move. Up to two Vanguard invading units from your army that are within nine of that enemy unit or one other Tyranid's infantry unit that is within nine. Uh, those selected units can each make a normal move of up to six. You cannot target units that are within engagement range of one or more enemy units. Robo, what are your thoughts? I'm just rereading that because there's a lot to go for there. So two CP, movement phase after you've done something, not move up to six. So Gaunts are amazing when they have this D6 ability. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, I'm just going to move six inches. Mm -hmm. There's weird things that can happen with this that you need to be aware of. Uh, if opponents have a rule that, like uh, Custodes, for example, when they take the enhancement so they can move, if you end a non-move within six, they could move up to you. You move six end within their range and they move another six. So you have to just be wary yeah. of that because yep. that comes up in games sometimes. But 2CP, just be able to move two of your units for free, free movement phase. Yeah, I'll take that. Thank you. Yep. Anything to add there, John? Because this, this, this takes a little unpacking, like Robo said. Yeah, it takes a little unpacking. I think it's fantastic. Um, I think it's really... 2CP is a little bit harsh, but I still think it's quite good. Uh, the very funny thing is that I believe that a Termagant unit could use both of these. Mm -hmm. And so if someone gets too close to a Termagant unit, they can move D6 plus 6 away, so they can really scoot. Um, overall, though, I think this is a very great utility stratum. I actually think that this one's going to be a little bit weird to use in practice. Uh, just 2 CP is a little bit expensive, honestly. Um, yeah. But very useful when you need it. This is a great stratum to have access to. So no complaints at all. I think this is, this is a really I mean, good tool, tool in the kit. Yeah, 
the first application, first spicy application in my head, you've got a unit of 10 custodian guard about to charge onto an objective, have to be out of charge to get onto the objective. They move within nine to make the charge. You spend the CP, you get, you fall back. So one person's on the objective and they're out of charge range now. And, um, you know, two CP, save yourself for a 10 point swing, possibly on yep. primary. Um, those kind of applications are the things that immediately spark my interest. All right. Um, John, sticking with you, what's next? Oh, whoa, buddy. Unseen lurkers. One CP in your opponent's shooting phase just after an enemy unit has selected its target. Pick a Vanguard Invader unit from your army that was selected as a target of a shooting attack, blah, blah, blah. Uh, until the end of the phase, your unit can only be selected as the target of a ranged attack if the attacking model is, is within 12 inches. Or, if your unit has the lone operative ability, if the attacking model is within six inches, your opponent can select new targets for the attacking unit's attack. Good. (laughs) Last bit, uh, last line, thank you, praise BG Dub, new new targets. Still a phenomenally powerful stratagem. Holy crap. Might be the most powerful event so far. Real good. One CP lone op, even better on a lone op. Love it. Mm Mm-hmm. Robbo, what are the applications here? What what units love this the most? Anything. Like it's so funny on Lictors when also you're like, cool, I finally got within twelve of that model on this objective in the corner of the board. And you just go, nah. Nope. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. But just uh, the fact it well, covers so many units on so much of the board yeah. is such a such a powerful ability. Especially when you can do I this feel- twice. Yeah. I feel like the funniest thing is that if you have CP you're willing to spend, it's basically impossible to shoot a lifter. Because mm-hmm. they have to get within six, and if they get within six, you're going to move six away, and then you're mm-hmm. 7.1 away, and then you just can't be shot again. Correct, mate. And turn ones and twos, when you have very little to shoot, um, and you try and you, you try and your guts, you're busting your guts with advanced rolls and, and spending strats to try and get within range of lone op units, so you get something done, pulling lictors off objectives and getting angles and stuff, and just like... Ah, sorry, mate. No, 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 never heard of you. See you later. Put your guns away. Your bullets mean nothing to me. (laughs) Very funny thing again. Harpies. You can use this stratagem on two harpies. Damn. Damn. (laughs) You can. Well, my first thought was like a max unit of gargoyles just sitting, um, you know, turn one, go up and sit. Point one from the center line, so your opponent is guaranteed 12 inches away already, and they have to leave their deployment zone. They have to come into range of the dumbness of your army in order to interact with the unit that's about to swamp them and tie them up. And if they do, they're damned. If they don't, they're damned. Um, yeah. This this seems very, very, very powerful. Uh, last one is Invisible Hunter, 1 CP. Enter your opponent's fight phase, up to two Vanguard invading from your army, and, and or one Tyranid infantry unit from your army. Uh, remove the targets from the battlefield and place them into strategic reserves. The target units must be more than three away from all enemy units. Uh, I mean... <laughs> There is some stuff you can do here, redeploying stuff into reserve and stuff that you can't redeploy into reserve. One CP, essentially return to the shadows and then pay a CP with seated broods and bring it on as if it's turn three on turn two, stuff like that. Um, So a little bit of internal synergy there. Anything major I'm missing from this one, guys? Best part in my mind is that it doesn't have the normal clause of come in next turn. It goes into strategic reserves. So now that it has already been deployed, it doesn't have to come back in later. So if you're True. really trying, I don't know what the application of this would be, but if you want to, you could put something into reserves and just bring it in when you're ready, not before turn three. Yeah, totally fair. Robert, anything to add? 
it's just a nice, especially because you've got some sneaky bits and pieces that have like nice strat reserve rules as well. Like, oh wait, what's that? Gargoyles that are fly, so they're Vanguard Invader. Am I right in saying they are Vanguard Invader? Yep. Yep. Gargoyles are Vanguard Invader. <laughs> so I'm going to go back in reserve. I'm going to deep strike back in because all of a sudden I can shoot and move onto your objective because. Didn't think that unit could get over there because it wasn't in reserve at the end of your turn, but now it is. This, yeah, the fact that it is like the end of their turn and then bada bing, bada boom, here they come literally like two phases later. And it's is, two units. It's two units. It's, I think it's very good. Um, John, give us your overall thoughts of uh, the Vanguard Onslaught. I actually think I like this one the most so far. Yeah, so my take on it so far is that. This is, of the five that we've read so far, because we've already read the Invasion Sleeks as I changed, um, this, in my mind, has by far the best detachment rules. The one caveat that I'll add to that is that all these rules sound crazy. They apply to 15 units, which is great. They apply to a lot of units that weren't build-around units. Mm. It's they, they only apply to support units, it feels, because it applies to all the different lictors, which are good. You are taking lictors, but you don't, you don't take an army of lictors. It applies to Gene Stillers, a unit you weren't really taking. Von Ryan Leapers, a unit you weren't really taking. A bunch of the winged stuff, which you weren't taking, other than Gargoyles. Like, of the 15 units that this detachment applies to, only two of them were units that I saw in a list pre-Codex. Mm. And I do think that this detachment is so strong that it will elevate those units into an extremely solid army. But I just I, I think that context is important, because even though I think this attachment's great, it's trying to build a functioning army out of 2,000 points of support pieces. It's very hard to get a real center to this army, which doesn't have to be a, a weakness. But yeah. it is a limitation. Yeah, because it's, if uh... someone just goes full speed at you, like, I think this army's awesome. I think this army would get bodied by someone who just was like, I don't care if you're cute, and sprinted 40 idiots in Aramite armor onto an objective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that was my thoughts as well. This this has a, a list that has a propensity to be bullied. Um, and when it gets bullied, none of its rules really work. Well, for example, though, you could take the list I had at WTC, tweak it slightly so it's something like six units of gargoyles, five or six monsters to give you a core and give you some damage. Yeah, they don't get a lot of the buffs, but all of a sudden, all of your gargoyles are other units get all Amazing. these bonkers rules. Hmm. So it elevates a section of your army, lets them do a load of things, and you could still take a core of something different to complement that. That's Would it be fair. better than the having an all-round attachment? Possibly, because some of these rules are amazing. Possibly not, though, because it doesn't affect yeah. everything. It's a limit on what it applies to. All right, jumping into the last of our detachments. This is the Synaptic Nexus. The special rule is Synaptic Imperatives. Um, at the start of the battle round, you can select one of the Synaptic Imperatives shown below. To the end of the battle round, that Synaptic Imperative is active for your army, and whilst a Tyranid unit from your army is in synapse range of your army, it will benefit from it. Each Imperative can only be selected once per battle. So this is very similar to their ninth edition mechanics so far. Um, 
The first one is synaptic augmentation. While unit is within synapse range, you have five up invulnerable save. So the surging vitality is next. While unit is within synapse range of your army, add one to advance and charge rolls. And the last one is goaded to slaughter. While an enemy unit is within synapse range of your army, each time a model unit makes a melee attack, plus one to hit. So the zoanthrope imperative, the warrior's imperative, which which was the advance and charge, uh, sorry, uh, plus one advance and charge imperative, last one. Who gave uh, that? Was it the... Uh, parasite? The, no, the was parasite it? was big consolidate. Was it the Turbagon? Yeah, that's um, everyone's first one. Plus two move. Plus two move. I, okay. I actually don't think that this was. It's a mesh between a couple, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Robo, what are your thoughts? Do you like this mechanic? I do. All of a sudden, you're like, I'm going to put my entire army out. I'll have a five up in one, thank you. Yes. Um, you want your army in synapse range. So, unlike the harvested attachment where. It had limits on where your models are, where units can be. This is just in synapse, which you want anyway. And a lot of units you take will have synapse. And it so it's cool. I'll have a five point run on my go turn. And then I'll put on advance and charge to make sure I hit everything when I need to. And then oh look, the turn after once I'm in, plus one to melee attacks. Cool. Yeah. Yep. I don't. I don't hate it, but the, it's so obvious to me that it's just the the five up involved is carrying like eighty five percent of this rule. It's, uh, the other two are nice, but that five up involved that's that's carrying the whole thing. John, is that is that correct in my uh, summation? Yeah, the five up involved is pretty good. I actually think it carries a little less than you would think, just because a lot of the synapse units that you're obviously going to want to take in this attachment happen to already have an involved or a good armor save baked in. So I think it actually is going to very much depend on what you try to build this as. Or do you try to build synapse to buff or just take all synapse? Um, I like plus one advance and charge a lot. Um, the plus one to hit in melee, though, is definitely the one that I'm least excited about. Yeah, fair. Uh, give us, sticking with you, John, give us the enhancement package. Absolutely. We got four enhancements here. Uh, power of the hive mind, tyranid psyker model only, that means neurotyrant. Improve the strength and armor penetration characteristic of psychic weapons equipped by the bearer by one. Psychostatic disruption, uh, synapse model only. Uh, all of, I think all of these are like that. Uh, enemy units that arrive on the battlefield from reserves cannot be set up within 12 inches of the bearer. In addition, once per battle during the first or second battle round, when your opponent declares that a unit will arrive on the battlefield from strategic reserves, the bearer can use this enhancement. If it does roll a d6 on a 4+, that enemy unit cannot arrive on the battlefield this turn. Love it. Money. Love Money. that one. Two great ones so far in my mind. Next is synaptic control. Uh, synapse model only. Each time an attack is allocated to the bearer, subtract one from the damage characteristic of that attack. Finally, we have the Dirge Heart of Karas, which is a 9-inch aura from tier and synapse model only. While any units within nine inches bear worsen that unit's leadership characteristic by one. Damn, I can see all of these being usable. Yep, uh, best enhancements, top to bottom. I was jealous. John got to read these out a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, Robo, give us your breakdown then. <laughs> so I think like the plus one eight strength and AP is giving you strength six AP two on the, which is nice. It's good. It's 10 points, so he's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take an extra strength and AP for 10 points. Thank you very much. Like, the only reason I think that potentially doesn't get taken is because the Nora Tyrant has 
psychostatic disruption and the hive tyrant's got the minus one damage and you're like do you want another character here Ooh, mm. maybe like but i think <laughs> yeah you do <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'll just take another neuro cool <laughs> <laughs> so obviously synaptic control makes the most sense on a, a, a hive tyrant obviously um the well, psychic disrupt yeah. i could argue on a neuro tyrant as well because the hive tyrant is just tougher it's got a two up four up yeah it's got a like, i suppose the um I, I say the the neuro tyrant because it is just squishier that i think that the minus one damage may not make enough of a difference and it's got the 22 wounds in between you and it with the the neurogaunts so i don't know in my head but you know better than i do so absolutely right what are you the, the neurostatic disruption what the hell what the <laughs> hell was this the this coin flip fucking put it back on the shelf no put it back in your box next turn next turn back in the box um, i love that you could do this on a rapid ingress or on a three inch deep strike unit the ingress is where I thought of it because someone thinks they've got this big brain play and they maybe they've caught you out and you're just like, ah, coin flip is not a thing. <laughs> Directly to jail, sir. Do not leave jail the <laughs> next turn. <laughs> Sorry, continue, yeah. mate. So I'm just quickly checking for rapid ingress. You have to spend the CP to enable you to declare that unit to come from reserve as well. I think you waste the, the CP, yeah. So... There you go. I'm going to spend a CP so that I can declare this unit to come to the board this turn. And you go, well, on a four up, that one's fun. <laughs> this is brutal, John. Is this is this one of the most rough strats in the game? And is the twelve inch or uh, a, a good enough to be taken by itself? And if so, what's the biggest freaking base you can get it on? Uh yeah, it's very funny. I think it's great. The psychostatic disruption is awesome. It um it goes for uh, thirty points, which is a little pricey. I don't think you put it on the biggest base. I think you put it on a lone operative, aka you put it on the um the parasite. Oh, you just yeah, put it on a lone op. You can't get within twelve Phobos. of it. It's a Phobos Libby, yeah, uh, with with infiltrator unit. Uh, yeah. Package someone, self If someone tries to ingress down to then walk into range of it, you just say four plus. Four plus wasted a CP, and how many? And like sometimes that's going to scare people, right? Like, would I spend a CP for a four plus to do nothing, and then I don't have the CP? So and they can only yeah. do it once; they can't do it another yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little awkward. Um, of course, then they probably just wait till turn three to do it. But then you've like, well, if I just ripped another card and got another primary score out of this thing, um, if you've waited because of the psychological effect of my my coin flip, sir, in which case that's an absolute win. Um, the dirge heart is one that's catching my eye as well because that activates so much of the army. And, um, as, like you said, there's a bunch of other things you can do to yeah. get battle shocks going. Is that a good, is that a good aura? It's, it's nine inches as well, which is quite nice. Yeah, I like it. I put, my problem is, am I taking that above psychostatic and synaptic control? Maybe take it above power of the hive mind just to go, okay. I'm going to throw this guy into the middle of someone's army, have minus one, and then have even more nonsense you can do with it. It's good because it combos well with a lot of things. And yeah, that, this army likes that. And it likes people failing battleship checks in this attachment, especially. I like it a lot. I actually, I actually take the dirt. I actually have the dirt chart in the, um, in the list that I wrote, uh, because on, on ironically, I really like minus one to battle shock. And 
I I'm, I might be crazy here. I actually didn't take the uh, the 12 inch no go aura in my list just because it's it was a little expensive and I didn't have a character I wanted to use it on. But frankly, this is the detachment where I could see taking multiple parasites. The parasite got a little cheaper in this book, and then also it's a synapse loan up character. And there's very Hold few. On. I believe this is the only synapse loan up. Uh, yeah. So there is another fun rule with Dirge Heart as well because it's minus one leadership. And then, can you combo that with the Noro Tyrant? Uh, yes, you can. I was about to say, is there anything else that gives Negs to Leadership or Battleshock already? Death Leaper and the Neuro Tyrant can. Beautiful. So, the Neuro Tyrant with this is what, giving Neg 2? And just floating around in a big old ball? I like the idea of that very much. It's only going right, to get spicier, uh, don't worry. First of the strats, smother, the Smothering Shadow, 1 CP. Any phase just after an enemy unit fails a battle shock. Units from your army within... T- one sign-up unit from your army within 12 of that enemy unit. Roll 6d6 for each 3-plus that enemy unit suffers a mortal wound. I feel like they... Did they preview this somewhere, somehow, someday? I feel like I've seen this strat before. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's pretty... I think it's great. So it's it's yeah. an average of four models, right, for one CP, which is a good is a good rate for, for model generation. Um, what more is there to say? It's great, I think. So, uh, John, get to the, get the next one. Yep, uh, synaptic channeling for one CP, uh, command phase uh, one synaptic unit from your army, and uh, until the end of the turn, while well, a friendly turn unit is within nine inches of selected unit, that unit is within synapse or of your army. Uh, this one's a little boring in my mind, but it, it will occasionally be useful. Fair enough, Robo. Next one. Irresistible will one CP your shooting phase or your fight f- of okay so it's your shooting phase or the fight phase interesting at uh, one sign up unit for your army that's not been selected to shoot or fight this phase and one enemy unit within twenty four and visible to the sign up unit until the end of the phase each time a friendly Tyranids model makes an attack that targets that enemy unit if the attacking model's unit is within six of your sign up unit. We roll a hit roll of one, and we roll a wound roll of one. So, there's a few things to break down here. Very confusingly written. So, basically, Do your best. <laughs> you have a synapse unit, so let's just, in this example, use a Neurotyrant. Neurotyrant, just for it's not been selected to shoot, picks an enemy unit within 24. You have two zone throat units and a Malceptor within six of the Neurotyrant, they can shoot that enemy unit you've picked and get reroll a hit roll of a one, reroll a wound roll of a one. So this is worded like the Imperial Knights. So it would be a dice, no. not reroll ones. It's reroll all because it's each time they make an attack, not each time they are selected to fight. Is it each time a friendly turn model makes an attack? Okay, so good. Yeah, it's got that yeah. So a zone therapy unit would make six separate attacks that could all reroll a one. Yeah. Is it any good? It's very good. We're I think all it's very good. Ones to hit and wound for one CP for multiple units you have. Mm-hmm. Like, an aura. Yeah, okay. I'm going to pick that unit or two if you can use the strap twice with the Hive Tyrant and bam, bam. Well, I, l- I like it a lot because the, especially the ranged firepower of the Tyranids. Is a roller coaster ride of good and bad profiles on good and bad units, and you just get to iron out a bit of the variance and a bit of the a bit of the roller coaster, smooth it out for a C, for a single CP. 
on possibly your entire army, essentially. Uh, I think that's really good. Um, reinforced Hive Node is up next for 1 CP. Your opponent's shooting phase or the fight phase, just after an enemy that has selected his targets. One sign-up unit from an army that was selected as the target of one or more of the attacking unit's attacks until the end of the phase. Each time an attack targets your enemy unit, worse than the AP by one. Armor of Contempt, ladies and gentlemen, uh, has, uh, has made its uh, its way into the Tyranid Codex. Who would have thought they had that Balisarius Call was was there to give them, you know, Mark 10 power armor, but here we are. Uh, John, is this any good? I think it is. Yeah, love it. Uh, Bug of Contempt is great. Um, bug of getting <laughs> oh, that's going to stick. That. <laughs> that's going to yeah. stick. Um, it's great. Uh, Obviously, the best thing you could do is find a bug with a two-up save and synapse, um, which there aren't many of at the moment, but some of those new models we know are going to have a two-up save and synapse, so that's going to be really useful. Uh, this feels very situational, but it's really good if you build for it. Because, um, like, the, the there's only a couple synapse units that actually have a relevant armor save, and that's the Maliceptor and the, the Norns and the Tyrant. And all of those, or most of those, also have an invuln behind it. Yeah, but, mostly four plus. Mostly four plus. But I think on the Norns especially, and the Tyrant, this gets really good. So it's a also for a synapse unit, which means it yep. could theoretically be, uh, it could be warriors as well, and it could be like Tyrant guard attached to a Tyrant. Yep, there are exactly options here. Awesome. Um, John, sticking with you, give us the next one. Imperative Dominance, 1 CP in your command phase, and uh, 1 Tyranid unit from army that is within synapse range can select a synaptic imperative even if you've already selected that imperative in the battle, and until your next command phase it gets that imperative while it's in uh, instead of any other active imperative. So 1 CP, you get 5 plus invuln most of Correct. the time. Yeah, 1 <laughs> CP, 5 of invuln for those Neurogods. Or, again, or free if you want to do that with Tyrant or something. I like it. It's great. Um... Robo, give us the last one. So this one, I am so excited about. I think this is possibly one of the strongest, especially because it's a particular unit I use a lot, gets tagged, and I'm always sad. So it's in your movement phase for one CP, one tunage unit from your army, that is within synapse range of your army, and made a fallback move this phase. Unit is eligible to shoot and to declare a charge this turn. Blue Which two. is that unit? What's the unit you're talking Those about? Those zonethropes. Yes. Right, I'm going to I'm gonna get mm-hmm. that angle. Oh, no. I'll just fly away from you and zap. Blast. And, of course, this is one of the... This is the detachment that, that you, you kind of want to just take as many as you yeah. can. So uh, you could have, like, maybe half your army is zoanthropes. So this makes them very potent. Uh, John, what are your thoughts? Uh, absolutely lovely. Love this rule. As uh, Robo mentioned, this is great on Zonthropes. This is nice to have in general, but there are certain units that want it more than others. Uh, Tyranid's lack of ability to fall back and do a damn thing is annoying, at least in the current index. So getting access to this is great. Uh, there's quite a few stratagems in this uh, in this package that make me very happy. Very nice. Robo, what's your thoughts on the overall... Uh, what's this one called? Synaptic Nexus. This I kind of skipped when I was reading through the first time because I just had a bunch of pages and I kind of missed it. And I was like, wait a sec, there's a synaptic one. Let me go and look at that. I was like, oh, this may have been the sleeper one. But because mm. I read through them all, I'm like, these are good. I like all these detachments. They all have good rules. They're all the exciting things about them. And then I read this one, I was like, well, I like Malceptors. 
I like Zoanthropes. I like Hive Tyrants. I like the Norns. It has amazing enhancements. It has a good detachment rule. And then it has some very good strats as well. So I was like, this I can get behind. It doesn't have Feel No Pain, but you have a lot of stuff with four up invuns instead, potentially, if you're leaning yep. down the more synapse route. So yeah, I still need to get a couple of things on the table to kind of mm-hmm. kick the generic detachment out for me. But all of these have something exciting and a fun way to play your army. Fair. I totally agree with that take as well. I actually think this is a lot of fun, this this uh, Synaptic Nexus. I think it can be a really powerful take. Um, John, what are your thoughts? Uh, love it. On first read, this is my favorite one. Um, yep. I've played one game with it as well, and it was I, I did like uh, quite a few elements of it in-game as well. Um, I think that this one is really good rules, and more specifically, he's buffing the units you already wanted to take and making them better rather than hyper-elevating units you weren't interested in until this came around. The units that get good in this are units that I would take in other detachments. And that's the comparison between this one and the previous one, between the Vanguard, yeah? Like you said, the Vanguard, you're taking taking fringe units and elevating them. This is taking good units already, right? Yeah. Uh, I think this is really good. I actually think there's a really funny Battleshock factory that you can try to do with this detachment, where, because that... that Fail a Battleshock test to take Mortals strat- uh, stratum can go in any phase at all. Yeah. So you could theoretically, in your opponent's turn, hit them with a couple of Battleshock tests and Shadows with some negatives applied. And if someone fails multiple Battleshock tests, you use the strat, use the Tyrant, make it free. And then in your turn, you use some units that we'll talk about later and some of your rules and make them take multiple Battleshock tests again. As soon as they fail, make them take four Mortals, use the Tyrant free strat, make it happen again. You can really scrape a lot of mortals off of people, and you can really make good use of the Zonthrope ability to cause mortals to fail Battleshock tests, which previously was kind of garbage, because if your Zonthrope got within six of someone, they got tagged and became useless. But now a tagged Zonthrope squad is not inherently dead in the water, and you can try to Battleshock your way out of combat by physically killing them with mortal wounds. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in my first game with this, I was able to kill a five-man noise marine squad that tried to charge me in their charge phase, purely because they failed the wrong number of Battleshock tests. <laughs> Serves them right. Noise marines. Never heard of them. Um, we are going to talk about all the detachments at the end. We've probably got another five, ten minutes, which we're just going to pick out and talk about the new units, and then any units that are significantly changed. Uh, most of them, I think, I think about... Well, we're going to say like 90% of the data sheets are exactly the same. Um, but I'm going to quickly tell you guys about the Neurolictor and then get some thoughts from the gents. So this Ooh. guy is uh, move eight, move eight, toughness five, four up armor, four up invuln, um, seven wounds, single OC, six attacks in combat at uh, hitting on twos at six two one with precision. Um, and then it also has the, a beautiful swathe of core abilities, infiltrators, lone up, and stealth. Each time uh, this model destroys an enemy character, you get a CP. And in your command phase, select one enemy unit within 12 of the model. That unit must take a Battleshock test, almost king into what we were saying seri- uh, previously by John. Um, there are a lot of bits and pieces here you can do. And then uh, once an enemy is within 12 of this model, and if that unit is Battleshocked, each time a model that unit makes an attack, subtract one from the hit roll, and each time a friendly Tyranny's model makes an attack against that target, add one to the wound roll. Oof. There is some uh, juicy stuff there. How many points will this guy set you back? <laughs> this guy's 60. 60. Oh, he is value. Damn. Oh, yeah. 
But damn, in damn, comparison, damn. a Lictor is 70. Why is he cheaper? What? So, he is damage 1, not 2, in combat. So? And he is toughness 5 instead of 6. Eh? But he has an extra wound and a 4 up invuln. Yeah. And he makes the, you battle been, shock. I was literally about to say. Wound and they think, <laughs> they think the invuln makes it less durable <laughs> than the actual one. And you only, you're taking it for infiltrators loan off in stealth, realistically. Um, and the fact that that is just a cheaper version of those three core keywords. Ah, oh, what were they thinking? Slap three, please, in your list. Let's go. John, what are your thoughts? Uh, three. Yeah. Just you just take you just take three. I think you take That's this dumb. in every detachment because it's the best loan up and the cheapest loan up, which is a powerful combo. Um, it's not synapse, even though it has a giant brain. I feel the need to point that out because it looks synapse and it's not. Um, mm-hmm. It's so much better than a lictor that it's insulting because the lictor got a sweet new model and this model is very cool. But this is so much better than a lictor that it's laughable. Um, like I, when I read the book, I I already cracked the. I already have fully painted my neurolictor. It's already built, painted, done. Not tabletop done. It's like pretty painted. I haven't even cracked the, cracked like the plastic off my lictor yet. Uh, you just you <laughs> just take three of these because yeah, the yep. battle shock ores are insane. And if someone fails battle shock in your in their turn, you then sprint a neurolictor up to them and tell your entire army to be plus one to wound. Yeah, um, they're cheap enough to be disposable. You, you're happy to throw one in the middle and just throw out battle shock tests and good auras, and then just say whatever you kill it. There's two more that will push up when they're needed. Um, and yeah, just every keyword you would want on a on a cheap character, every, and then a really great set of special rules. This thing's awesome. I love it so it's much. So good, but sorry, it is not a character, is it? It's not a character. Yep, it's just a dude. Like <laughs> just a I mean, dude. Just a dude. What else more is there to say? All right, Robo, take us to the non-emissary. Oh, this guy's fun. So we've seen his special rule preview, so I'll start with that, which is start the first battle round. You can either select one enemy unit until the end of the battle. Each time this model makes an attack that targets that unit, you can reroll the hit roll, reroll the wound roll. That's a pretty nice ability if you ever take it. Pales in comparison, though, to the next one. So, select one objective marker until the end of the battle, while the smaller is within range of that objective marker, it has the Feel No Fame 5 possibility and an objective control characteristic of 15. So its base is 5, and this is a model that's mm-hmm. toughness 11 with a 2-up save, a 4-up invun, 16 wounds, OC 5. All of a sudden, you've just gone, I'm a 2-up, 4-up, Potentially armor of contempt, five up feel no pain, OC fifteen, shift me. Yeah, dude, it is imposing. The writer here is that it also has a four up against mortal wounds as well. So this is very yeah. unlikely to die to a single wraith knight activation as well, which is I think quite juicy. Yeah, it then has the range weapons we've seen. Pick one of either two shots, strength eight minus two d three damage, eighteen inch range. Or two shots, strength 12, minus 3, d6 damage. One interesting thing to note is one is melted 2. The first one, which is the weaker one, is precision. So that is why that gun exists. Otherwise, it is just a weaker version. Yeah. Uh, Your other option is a 2d6 blast, uh, strength 6, minus 2, 1 damage. So it has some nice shooting options. Just to pick one of those, great. 
It then has six attacks in combat, hitting on twos, strength nine, AP two, three damage. Solid profile. And four attacks, strength seven, minus two, two. Yep. It's, it's not bad in combat. They are 285 points. So they're pricey in comparison to a lot of the other Nid monsters. They're double your average, probably. But you stick one of these in a flank objective with a Nora Lictor or a Lictor in support and go, come on then. I can yeah. now push 1,500 points mm. into the middle of your army because I've got a Lictor and a Biovore sat on my own one. Let's go. Yeah. I, my first thought when I saw this guy was like, uh, if they are cheap enough to take three, you because, I mean, move 10, and theoretically you could advance from a table quarters position onto almost all three mid-board objectives. I think the one to the your, your right-hand side might be might be a little bit of a stretch. But you could definitely get two of these guys on mid-board objectives pretty early, and all you do is just have them pick the one that they're going to go on, and all of a sudden your opponent's turn one just became really uncomfortable. John, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's, I think it's quite good. 285 is the price tag where I'm questioning including it. Yeah. I still think it's worth it, but I'm not sure it's worth it. Because a lot of other Tyranid bugs got a little cheaper, you can go far those points. With that said, it's definitely good enough to buy, good enough to paint several of. Um, so I'm really excited about that because this model is to die for. Um, I like that it actually has a good gun, and I also like that they finally just accepted that a Tyranid monster was allowed to hit on twos. <laughs> someone besides that tyrant found weapon skill ballistic skill too and i'm just so happy that, that there's another thing that can do that i agree with that take uh sticking with you john uh the norn assimilator give us your take there yes yeah, so the norn assimilator is similar to the emissary it has the same stat line but no four plus in bone so not quite as tanky there it has the same singular purpose rule where it can either get full rerolls against a thing or pick an objective to go god mode on obviously you like the objective one a lot um its other rule, however, since it loses the Fort Philippines Pancans Mortal, so again, losing some defense here. And once per turn, when an enemy unit with an engagement range of this model is selected to fall back, roll a dice on a 2+, plus, that unit suffers D6 Mortals. So, pretty cool. If you can kill something, consolidate into someone, and it tries to fall back, you can just hand them a bucket of Mortals. That's quite nice. And then its offensive profile is, uh, a, quite, is different. It has a, a different gun, because... This one is not a Psyker. It has a Toxin Injector Harpoon, which is an amazing gun that is 12 inches range. Mm -hmm. So, two shots at 12 minus 3, D6 plus 1. Um, ballistic Skill 2, of course. Only range 12 makes me like this a lot less, but the profile is quite good. And then if it, uh, when it shoots with this weapon, it selects a monster vehicle that was hit by one of those attacks, and it is plus 2 to charge against that enemy monster or vehicle. So you can do very funny things by arriving from reserves, trying to harpoon a, a tank, and if you don't kill it, you actually get a very makeable charge into it. And then its melee is a little bit better than the emissary, which I like a lot, because it still has the six attacks at nine and minus two, three, but it then has four attacks at 12 minus three, D6 plus one. So my quest to find a tyranny unit that can kill an armager in one round of combat is mm -hmm. finally at an end. This is, I believe, the only unit in the book that can expect to kill an Armager 51% of the time. Uh, how many points will this run you? Yeah, why'd you have to ask that question? No. Because I thought I figure it's the cost of two Armagers. <laughs> and so as soon as you made that comparison, I just slap it down a little bit. 
I think it's 305. It is, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty much the cost of two averages. So, yes, it should be able to freaking do that. Absolutely, I, it should. I feel like they accidentally flip, like flipped the points on these. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, the, uh, so, it, do, it doesn't make any sense to me that the one with literally double the active durability by having a 4-plus invulnerable save is the cheaper of the two. And also the one that has the vastly more applicable gun at 18 inches rather than 12 inches. Um it's still and it's still good enough in combat. Like it's not like the Norn emissary is bad in combat. It's very, very good in combat. Good enough to get most jobs done. Um, yeah, Robbo, what are your thoughts? So uh, you lose one damage on its gun because it's D six versus D six plus one for the assimilator, but you gain six inches of range and melted okay. two and melted melt two man. Like, so, I, I half wish this was two guns. So you like. I can shoot and maybe try and kill a tank that's damaged and then get a charge off against something else. Because if you just roll a little okay, or yeah. 2d6 plus 2 damage, you're like, yay, I've killed off. Oh, per- the piranha uh, you wanted to get the charge off just collapsed on itself and you're stuck. Yeah, if you could split the like, I'm going to do one there to do a bit of damage and one to give me the charge I need. Great. Mm. I don't get why it has no invent though. Even just give it a yeah. five plus or yeah. something. And I I'd mean, be like, okay, now I can consider this. There's a very real argument that in the synaptic nexus it doesn't need it, because it is a two-up armor, yeah. covers a joke in tenth edition, and it but then then it's also a weird thing where sometimes you have to spend armor of contempt. Yeah, so, and then once per game and or flexing into the five up in loan, you know, should your opponent have a bunch of neg four, for example. Um it's I will probably make a thing though that if we take this data sheet as it is, and we didn't have the emissary, we'd be looking at this and going, "Okay, this is fun. This has got maybe it's a little expensive, but this has got some decent stats." I think because we have the two options, and one of them just has this really cool ability, the other doesn't. It's like this one looks meh because this one looks so good. It's yeah. not a bad unit. It's just you have a choice of those two. Yeah, it just hurts. It's, it's losing the comparison. Yeah. Um, or the four plus field I'm painting, it's mortals cannot be overstated also. Just having that all the time, especially yeah. in the current game. We'll see what happens with dev wounds, if anything's going to change there. But uh, it's pretty good right now. Um, there aren't any other new data sheets, are there, boys? Nope, just the three. Um, and then most data sheets are very similar in this book. Most. Um, are you able to tell us of any that have changed for people at home? I want to ask about the, the key ones straight away. The one every tuned and non tuned player is asking about. Have they fixed biovores so they're rubbish again? I believe no is the answer, right? Woohoo! Say all the tuned players. <laughs> kind of, actually, kind of in the middle. So they didn't change spore mines, but they made biovores only one unit can launch a spore mine a turn. So you take one biovore now. Instead of two. Yep. Yeah. And so, you yep. have Noralictors instead of the points to go score the rest of your stuff. Correct. Oh yeah, yeah. Tyranids will be fine. But they did <laughs> yeah, yeah. they did also make it so that if your opponent can kill one biovore, so if you have enough indirect to kill one biovore, that can make your problems go away. But the biovore got tougher. It gained a wound and a point of save to bring it in line with the pyrovore profile since they now share a kit. They're both five wounds with a three up instead of four wounds with a three-up and four-up. So it's five with a two-up when it's set in cover 
from indirect, mm-hmm. probably, unless your desolators, etc. Yeah, unless you're AP dash or desolators or things like that. But the T6 is actually quite useful there. Um, yeah. Uh, other profiles that I feel the need to call out getting changed. Um, for my poor Vanguard Invader lovers, they made the Gene Slur worse. It uh, replaced its reroll ones to wound and full wounds on objectives with reroll ones to hit and then also ones to wound on an objective. Mm, so it can no full... longer full rerolls to wound with its dev wound weapons. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really what made it <laughs> made it made like an even... option. And it it's, still wasn't exactly. good. It yeah. still wasn't good, but I think in the Vanguard Invader, you could have really like tried to justify it. But as it is, it's eh, eh. Um, uh, the Tyrant effects actually took a little bit of a nerf slash side grade. The weird thing, um, they replaced the minus one damage with the uh, Rogaldorn rule, where once per game, after your opponent allocates a wound to the Tyrant effects, you can choose to make it damage zero. This is the awkward timing that it's mm-hmm. after the wound step, but before the save step. Mm. And that's yeah, once I don't per like game, that. did you say? Not just once per one, turn. Once per game. Yeah, that kind of I blows. see that as a little bit of a nerf. Yeah, yeah that, that is. That's a bit of a hit. If the yeah. Tyrant Effects has gone down enough in points, you're like, oh, uh, maybe I can balance that. It went down 10. So 190 you're looking at now. It's, yeah. There's still an argument to be made for that, but yeah, yeah you have to argue look, a little bit harder. You look at the points you're now paying for the Norns, like that is 100 points less than the Emissary at 280, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is 100 so, points cheaper, and it's T12. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's still an argument to be made for them, for sure. Um, but yeah, what, what, what do they fit in? What do they make sense in? And what detachments? Because we're going to start talking about the wrap-up. We're going to start wrapping this up, guys. Uh, we do two ranking metrics to rank documents as they come out. And yes, we have to rank this against the meta opponent which it was launched. So we can only put it and rank it against other against indexes because there's no other codexes. So it's very hard to get this one right. So please forgive us if our finger isn't on the pulse quite yet. But Robbo, starting with you, out of 10... How happy are you as a Tyranid player with this book? I'm going to say like a 7.5. Yes. It's in a good spot. There's so many different builds and combos like I want to try and want to play. I'm sure some of them will be a little bit like, eh, okay, maybe I'll try that one again later in a few months. But when the meta changes, all of the units have decent rules. Everything's mm. fun. And yeah, the meta is a little bit crazy at the top end but we have a slate coming shortly and i'm i think that'll put nids in the mix without being kind of the kings of the meta all right john out of 10 what are you what's your ranking um happiness eight um i'm pretty happy it didn't address every concern i had um my my one complaint from the index carries over here which is that sometimes it's hard to do credible damage and they help that in some ways, but not you. There's no universal, just like clear cut way to do more damage. Um, Correct. It and can feel so anemic. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. I don't need every game of 40k to be a race to the tabling, and I hate it when it's that way. So when the meta tones down, that'll be less of a problem. But um, this is, of course, just in case we get enough FAQ soon. This is recorded with no September balance patch. So yeah. Eldar, Gene Slurkult are still exactly the menace that they are when we're recording it. 
Exactly right. Um, all right, gents, if we are ranking this against the current environment, and this, like I said, this may be released after a, a data slate. This is going to be released. Well, we're, we're recording this the week it's been announced for pre-order, so it's up for pre-order next week, which will be out, it'll be out um, on the same week as the pre-order goes up. And I, I'm not sure we'll be seeing a balance slate before, but if a balance slate does come in like a day or two after, you know, whatever, this next bit goes completely out the window. Um, I would rank this as putting NIDs from the B tier into the A tier, but I wouldn't say it's pressuring them. Nothing in here makes me think that they're going to be pressuring, um, I think, it, am I right in saying possibly Crons and Eldar are the two big issues for this book? I don't think GSC is much of one, though. Knights can be tricky. A knights, yes, it's a and good call. Yeah. is also yeah. kind of tough, I found, in yeah. the past. Yeah. yeah, I actually think that this can deal with Necrons by just, if you build for it, by just trying to force seven Battleshock tests on them at a time. Yeah, oh, that's, that's actually very relevant, because I was like, the, in my head, there's no way for you to... I think you actually you can kind of build to build to deal with death guards though the lich guard a bit better than you can build to, to deal with the warriors. The warriors is actually a bigger issue. Killing twenty warriors in an activation for Tyrannus seems like a thing that is just not a thing. So that was the the one that I thought is an issue. But the hundred percent um, custodies is a huge problem. Um, let's break in. Let's let's spend a minute or two. Sorry, you guys need to. Put, what tier would you guys have it in? A. Yeah, Solid yeah. A. Not minus, not plus, A. Yeah. I would probably go very top of B, because I think having those few armies in A, because like, I'd put, like, Eldar's obviously just, yeah, Eldar do their own thing. But because you've got, like, Custodes and stuff up there, I think I'd put in A, which it still has that slight problem with. I think they kind of just keep it in check. However, if and when we do get the slate, if it touches... Knights again, which I don't really think need it personally. Uh, Custodes a little bit, GSC a little bit, and Eldar a lot. Then all of a sudden, Nids goes, "Oh, cool, we can play with the big boys now," rather than them just keeping it in check a little bit potentially. Mm. Um, that's actually a fair take as well. So yeah, we got what one B plus and two middle of A's, um, and I think they're all. I think it's all pretty relevant. Uh, in saying that, let's talk quickly about those attachments for a minute or two before we check out of here. Um, it's kind of a tale for me of... Uh, there's one that I think is awful. I actually think the Crusher Stampede is bad. The rest of them are very playable with ups and downs. Like the, the Harvester one, I think, is just awkward. And then the other three, the Unending Swarm, the uh, Vanguard, and the Synaptic one are all, I think, extremely usable, um, depending on how deep you want to go with the skews. The only one that I think um, is a contender for the all-comers build is the Synaptic one. And so I think it's either the Synaptic or the Invasion Sweep if you want to just go the all-comers. What's your take, boys? We'll start with uh, Matt. So I think you've missed the Invasion Fleet off there as well for an all-comers because a double five-up feel no pain. And- I just said that. But never mind. <laughs> uh, so, so I was just going to say, like, the Invasion Fleet, the Synaptic, or potentially the Swarm of just going, uh, I probably should say which Swarm, uh, the Unending, if you can abuse that movement with things on all those endless multitude, because they're cheap enough to get enough bodies and then have some little punch behind it, mm. you may even just be a couple of Norns to sit there and go, here's OC15 on these objectives, Here's actually a million running at you. Once you kill all of that, you've then got these to deal with. Yeah. Yep. It's not going to kill a lot, 
but Nids don't a lot of the time. But they're very good at scoring. They're very good at mission play. So I think that's where you lean into with these builds. John, what's your take on the detachments? Yeah, I honestly feel like four of them are like off the rip competitive. Um, I think the invasion fleet is great. I think that both Synapse and Vanguard are a little better than invasion, but they're not directly better. They're like one step to the side and one up. So mm. it's to force you in a different direction. If you don't want to take that direction, invasion fleet is still pretty good. Um, I think the the unending swarm is the Australian detachment, as we're already calling it. In the <laughs> yes. Uh, I, love I think it. it's great. I just think it's going to tap out in a tournament too often because having to do a movement of a 20-man unit three or four times per opponent shooting phase while they're also putting the clock on you for saves and model pulling is going to take a very long time. And I so I... I, I think I think you've got a lot of option of good options on the detachments. I'm just really excited that they made four of these detachments in my mind real considerations. Crusher, I honestly think it's garbage. Um it's just it's not as good at Monster Mash as two other detachments. I think Synapse and Invasion Fleet are both better at monsters. And once you reach that point, what what are you doing? Um then I think Simulation Swarm is just too many uh T's and C's, as my friend would say. <laughs> Who is that guy? I never heard of that guy. But anyway, that is going to wrap up the first of our Codex reviews for 10th edition. Really happy to see the Nids um, getting a really diverse set of rules to go with their diverse set of models now. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to go over and record part two. We're just going to answer some beautiful list of questions, start talking about some list construction or list uh, the cause of each of these detachments and give you guys an idea of where to start with your first press competitive builds. Thank you so much again, Robbo, for coming on. Thank you so much again, John, for coming on. Um, you guys are absolute champions of uh, the hive mind. My great pleasure to have you here. And yeah, say good night. Good night, guys. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.